Hello and welcome to The Selfish Podcast. Today we have an amazing guest. It's going to be a really interesting conversation about life and healing. And we have Claudia Morel and she's going to share her journey. So first, Claudia, can you tell me about your childhood? What was life like pre-10 years old? Where did you grow up? What did your parents do? Paint me a a picture of your starting progress in life. Oh, fantastic, Luke. Thank you for such a great um, introductory question. So I happen to be a child of immigrant parents in America. My parents and entire family come from Mexico, a couple of different parts of Mexico, actually. My mother's side of the family is from Mexico City, and my father's side of the family are from the mining uh, mountain towns of northern Mexico. So Mm. growing up in the United States was really interesting for me. I grew up speaking Spanish and English all at once. Oh, nice. And where, whereabouts in the America did you first come to? And are you in the same place? Yeah, I uh, was born in Boston, Massachusetts, the east coast of America, which I always said to my grandmother, why did you immigrate to such a cold <laughs> state? <laughs> yeah. And although my heart desires to live somewhere warm like Spain, where you do, um, I still remain in Boston for now. Okay. And what did your parents do when they came to America? So my grandmother tells the story of coming to America as a nanny for at Harvard University. Mm. I'm not quite sure what her true immigration story is. I'm going with that one. It's a little bit sort of secretive (laughs) in there. She came over. And then um, my mother came when she was about eight years old. So my grandmother had to leave her two children in Mexico. She left a very difficult marriage, abusive marriage over there to come to America and then went back for her children, my mother and her brother. My father came over when he was older. He was 19 years old in search of the American dream. Okay, nice. And um, what what, what was it like for school and stuff in your early life? I always loved school. I, in my early life, I started in school in Boston. I loved it. And funny enough, as a, makeup artist. I love my colors. I love learning about the crayons and the smell and the box and everything that they did and the textures. Uh, But then I did end up going, you know, to California and then coming back. And that was a little bit more difficult. So academically, I've always loved school. Socially, it was a bit of a bumpy ride. Do you remember your first like ambition or dream as what you wanted to be or do when you was older? Like when you was young, your first goal? Um, It was always creative. No matter what I wanted to do, it was creative. I remember um, like one of my first toys ever was a makeup, a plastic makeup set. And I loved it. I still didn't have the inkling that that's what I would do. Um, But then as I got older in high school, I became very romanced by the idea of becoming a writer as I, mm. you know, learned about Herman Hess and the book Siddhartha. I took all the writing classes and reading classes I could in high school and would dress like a hippie and walk around being moody and thinking that I had so <laughs> much to say. <laughs> nice. And what, what, what comes to mind is what was your first struggle in life? What was my first struggle in life? What comes to mind? I think it was like having this sense, you know, 
like as I started to discover Herman Hess and um, you know that there was more to life that meets the eye and trying to make sense of that sort of dichotomy and starting to feel the pang and the pull of wanting to learn about the mysticism of life and still trying to function in every day, you know, going to school yeah. and having friends and all of that. <laughs> and and, wh- and where, where do you feel with that now in your life? Now I feel completely connected to that side. Like right now in this moment, having just finished a light session for a client, I feel like it's a beautiful, expansive, endless learning of what is available to us through connection and spirit. Oh, nice. And how, how do you think a conversation would go if you was to go back to yourself at that time, at that age? Um, what do you think your younger self would now think of you if they were to meet you? Oh, you know, um, there's a wonderful television show I love to watch called RuPaul's Drag Race. And he has all of his contestants do this. He holds up a little picture of them as a child while they're on stage in their drag, which I think is a beautiful metaphor. <laughs> um, and he says, what would you say to your younger self? Your question's a little different. Like, what would your younger self think of who I am now? And I can sense it and I can feel it. And she's totally proud and and kind of standing there saying, you know, I kind of told you so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. That's really nice. Um, so you, you got into... Like you said, being a makeup artist and then into now light work, how did that transition happen in your life? How did you get into the the movie industry and into that area? Yeah, that's a fun story, actually. Um, when I was in my late 20s, um, I was still working in corporate America, hating it, struggling, and just getting laid off from job after job, which was like such a blessing because I just was trying to fit in where I didn't belong. So because I got laid off, I had the opportunity to be on unemployment for a while. And during that time, while I discovered yoga. Hmm. And so eventually I ended up getting my first makeup job um, at a makeup counter, which was part-time. And I had been discovering yoga. So I would go to yoga in the morning and open the studio and get free yoga because I was able to open and warm up the studio and check everybody in. I'd go home, I'd change into, it's funny, the dichotomy, into my uh, work clothes, put on a full face of makeup and go work at a makeup counter. So they, they grew side by side. You know, as I grew as a makeup artist, I grew in my yoga practice, which turned into a spiritual practice, which turned into energy medicine school. So as my career in makeup artistry grew, so did my expansion into mysticism and spirituality. Oh, nice. And what age was you when you first started? um, Like you got your, you knew you had made, say, your first professional uh, film uh, makeup sort of career. When did you feel established? When did I feel established? So I've been doing it for 20 years. And to be honest with you, it was probably about four, only four years ago that I, I began to feel established. Four, 
four or five years ago, I met all the requirements that it took to enter into our union, our, the film and television industry is unionized, and I, my career finally took off. Yeah, because I, I looked through on your through your website and saw like you've worked on quite a quite a number of films and big sort of A list films. So it's yeah, quite really interesting. And I used to do um, extra work a long time ago on because I was I'm interested in writing as well, and oh, I great. thought I'd I'd do some extra work to just see what it's like behind the scenes and um, to be on film sets and just be immersed myself as much in that culture as possible. And uh, that was really interesting, especially the makeup department, because I couldn't believe the size of it (laughs) and the amount of people and just how much was going on. But no, it was really, really interesting to to see that world. How do you find that intertwined with your spirituality and your spiritual practice being in, say, the the movie world? Oh, it's I don't know that I could do it without it. I I really don't, because... The, as you've seen, being an extra, there's so much that goes into a film. There's like so much hurry up and get it done and stress and this. And there's just so many moving parts. And I feel like doing breath work in the morning before going to work, coming home and doing a Lucia light session, um, having sort of like the intuitive nature to know when an actor needs my support versus where I need to back off. I don't know that I could be as good at what I do without my my practices yeah and you're saying that Lucia likes you mentioned that before and you work with um I might be putting it in a blunt term flickering lights and like a light therapy can you explain what that is in a better than I just did <laughs> absolutely um I fell in love with the Lucia light a couple of years ago at a Dr. Joe Dispenza retreat Um, I was invited to an art gallery where they were doing Lucia light demos. And uh, do I remember correctly? Did you say you've experienced the Lucia light? No, no, I have not. Oh, I thought I've heard about it first through through you. Oh, I see. I see. I thought you had experienced it. Um, Okay. So the Lucia light is a brain entrainment light. So it is a halogen bulb in the center with LED lights around it. And it flickers at different brainwave frequencies and megahertz. So you sit in front of the light with your eyes closed and the light shines onto your face with your eyes closed. And because it's so bright, it goes right through into your and hits your pineal gland. And as it starts to flicker, you begin to see different uh, fractal patterns and have a, could have a psychedelic experience or a spiritual experience. So it holds your brain. It takes your brain out of high beta or beta brainwave and suspends it into a hypnagogic state, which is alpha theta brainwave. Okay, yeah, because I think you heard on the Luke Story podcast when we were yeah. talking, we were just we was talking about flickering lights, but more in the sense of uh, regular lights and the, the how much interference they actually have on your sort of being and your 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 mind just in the supermarkets and all the different types of uh, bulbs they have now and was talking about them and nice. and them lights and them flickering and he was talking about slow motion your camera now that you got such good quality slow motion effects on your camera you can film lights and see how much they're actually flickering that with your eye when you're looking at it, you don't really notice um but we were talking about that and how that affects your state and your being and how you feel so it's really interesting that that's being sort of 
used in another sense to 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 make that difference because it makes sense to me that that would make a um it would impact your being and like saying someone's engineering that how did how was your very first experience with it what did what did you feel um and what happened afterwards yeah oh my first experience was divine it was a so I had the short demo at the art gallery and I just knew I had to have a full session. So the following days I went into the um, studio with a few friends of mine and that stayed on and also wanted sessions. And I did a full hour of the Lucia light. And I think that the differences between, you know, what you see in supermarkets and on your phones versus the Lucia light are the megahertz and the frequencies that the lights flicker at just like binaural beats have different megahertz and sulfagio beats have megahertz and different frequencies. Um, so I had a full session, one hour session with the light. And I tend to be someone who dives in at the deep end. I'm like, put it on full blast. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, I went into a session called DMT for about an hour. And I just saw the most beautiful fractal patterns, felt like I connected with God. Cry I was crying when I came out of the session. I wanted everybody who was there to come over and touch me because I felt like if they touched me, they would know what divine love and connection meant. And I just mm -hmm. couldn't stop crying from the joy and the bliss and the ecstasy. And I was like, this you, is it. Uh, I have to have one. <laughs> yeah. And how, how long was the short one? That, like you said, you had a little taste or sort of preview of it. How long was that? Yeah, the demos are anywhere between two to five minutes. And what, what did you feel in that in that time that led you into the longer one? Um, at first, I felt like, whoa, this is just way too bright. And then um, I did have to turn it down a little bit in the beginning. And then I just felt like a knowing. Like, I know whether I like a song within five beats of the first, like it coming on the radio. Yeah. I know if I, I like someone right away. And I just knew I had to experience this light more. And then after my first session, I just knew I had to have one. Yeah. And then you started to, so you trained yourself in that to perform that for other people. So you do that as a service for people yourself? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll actually tell you a little bit about the journey to getting the light because it was really quite special too. Mm -hmm. um, the lights are, they cost about as much as a car. The professional portals are $25,000. The okay. pro home personal portals are ten. And so I was like, how am I going to get this light? You know, I had the money at first and then I didn't have the money. And then the pandemic hit. And like during the pandemic, I decided to have a fundraiser for the light. I just felt called to. And so um, actually before that, I had um, done a psychedelic uh, mushroom journey, a pretty large dose mushroom journey. And I remember sitting on the floor during like the peak of the journey, just calling the light to me, just saying during that journey, like, I, I, I'm here to serve you. Like, I just want you to come to me, please. And um, so then I decided to do the fundraiser and um, I started doing the fundraiser and I was able to raise $4,000 for a smaller light, the personal portal. And then the distributor called me and said, someone's selling and I had also made the determination that I would buy my light used because I said, if there's okay. somebody out in the world that has one of these lights and isn't using them and has invested this much money into it, I'd like to give it back to them. Um, so 
I raise $4,000. I'm doing meditations all day long, pulling in the light. And the distributor calls me and says, someone's selling their light for 6,000. Would you like it? And I said, yes, right away. I bought it in that instant. So I bought the small personal portal for 6,000 instead of 10. And then a few months later, someone that I knew who had had sessions with, who had asked her, like, are you thinking of selling your light? And she was like, I am, but I don't know if I want to. And she would say yes, and then no, and then yes. And then I'm like, stop playing with my emotions. I just want <laughs> the light. <laughs> so eventually she said yes, and she sold me her light for $12,000. And so I was able to give her my home small portal and partial trade payment for it. So it just felt like really meant to be. Yeah, nice. And how did, how did your first session with someone go what was that experience like and did you see a similar is everyone's experience similar or is it like totally different for everyone it's so different for everybody um it's always just come so naturally to me Luke like it's just so intuitive and so natural um it was just easy to put anyone under the light and I just felt so connected to what they needed and how much brightness and no, no one has the same experience. Like some people go under it and they're like, never want to go under it again. Thank you very much. Thanks for the demo. Bye. And it's people- very similar to a psychedelic experience. Some people do it and they're like, I'm never doing that again. And some people do it and they're like, I need to do this regular. I need to do this more. Exactly. And you know, the reason why I have the light is because not everyone can ingest a psychedelic or feels comfortable or wants to be on a ride for that long. Um, and I feel like it's a great way to give people an alternative to that. It's a yeah, very... Like you said, you've done the, the mushrooms as well before. Was that your first time you said you'd done a really heavy dose? Was that your very first mushroom experience and you went full in or is that something you've done for a while? Um, it's not. No, at one point I was doing, you know, five grams of mushrooms like almost every month as like a ceremony to connect with the medicine. Um, so it was not... Um, my first time. My first time was with a shaman. Yeah. Yeah, because it's interesting because you said that this experience uh, with the light is is similar. So you've got firsthand experience of both um, to be able to say that as well, which I find really interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so nice because like, you know, you take five grams of mushrooms and you're in it for six hours and it's not, you know, and then the next day I do need to recover. I do need to nutrition. I do need to, you know, take a bath and do all the things that your body needs to recover from it. Your body, mind and soul journal integrate. Um, but with the light, you can come in, you can have, and it's sometimes as profound as a five gram mushroom journey. And sometimes it's just a gentle, you know, just like us, like a medicine is very similar. Um, but it's nice because if it gets too much, you can just turn your head to the side and you don't feel the light anymore. You can raise your hand. I can dim it. So it's a little more like introductory manageable. And how long you said your first one, like you just had that feeling of unconditional love and uh, and sort of sounds like grace. How, how long did that last afterwards? I think it probably lasted about a week. And then your second time when you went back and done it again, did that, did you have the same or was it totally different? It's different. You know, it's really different every time. And what I found is like, I think it, a lot of it uh, has to do with how much beta you're in before you go under the light. 
um, there's another gal who works with me who I'm training to use the lights. And when she's in high beta, super high beta, super stress, if she goes under the light, it's almost like like nails on a chalkboard. It's really uncomfortable. It's really hard to get through a session. So I almost recommend doing breath work or stabilizing your brain waves before doing that. Yeah, I find with any, for me personally, like I've always been, um, because I don't know if you've seen a lot of my, I have a lot of videos on YouTube and share a lot of my life, but I had a lot of depression and a lot of trauma in my early life. And it sent me, my mum had schizophrenia, like really, really bad. And that sent me on a sort of mission to, I was obsessed with my self-control. So I wouldn't Mm. touch any substances. I didn't want to do anything that could alter my sort of conscious state because I didn't want to lose it in any way. And I thought it's so important to be in sort of conscious control. Um, So I didn't go near sort of lots of things. I didn't drink alcohol. I stopped, like I had alcohol when I was like 14 years old with some friends and stuff. And then by the time I was 18, I was like, I'm never drinking again. I'm not, Mm. I've not got time for that. I've not got a, I don't want that risk of not being in full control of everything. And um, yeah, no, it's really interesting with the sort of psychedelics and the different things and how people, you know, actually grow their consciousness. But Mm. for me, if, when you get I see a lot of people that use substances when they're in a state of say like you said their anxiety or they're what I'd call a attack and defense their, their nervous system isn't in the a flowing state and then they have like a, what someone would say a bad trip or you know they, they have a negative impact in in their sort of being um, whereas I think the lots of these things even alcohol if you to use it when you're in a joyful state you're already in a really good blissful sort of state then you take it and then it's like it expands that consciousness it seems it makes you actually have a a larger perception and uh, a better way of sort of seeing yourself and seeing things Mm -hmm. Um, so it sounds very similar with this like so someone do you do that with your clients do you do work with them like you said the yoga and breath work is that part of a session yeah you've really made some some great points Luke yeah it is set and setting and it's the same with the light you know your, your set is your mindset, your setting is the environment. And I do create that for my clients. And um, more of what I do now instead of yoga and breath work is um, I channel. So something that opened up during one of, well, actually during my first Bufo ceremony was I, I, I'd always channeled a little bit, never really quite trusted it. And um, during my first Bufo ceremony, it just blew open and um what sorry what what's bufo i'm not sure what that is yeah bufo is in animal medicine it comes from a toad it's 5-meo dmt because uh what's there's another one i've seen the um the one they put they like put a little cut on your arm and they put one on there and you you're sick i forget what that's called yeah cambo is it like that it's no they're completely different yeah so Cambo comes from a frog and Bufo comes from a toad. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the Cambo one's not psychedelic at all, is it? It's, it's like not a purge and it actually makes you clear your sort of, it seems your liver and things. Yeah. Um, so this one, this one has psychedelic properties in it? It does, yeah. 5-MeO-DMT does have psychedelic properties in it. But more than anything, I think it's just so incredibly conscious expanding. I feel like, I call it like a power wash to your life. So I feel like it power washed away anything that was holding me back from channeling. 
so now I can go into trance and sort of bring through either the guides of the people who have come to see me for a light session or the guides like the that I channeled called the collective or once anyone who has passed any information that the person who's here for a light session needs um, comes through me as a channel. So I do it in two ways. They'll speak through me. My voice will change. My eyes might close. So they'll speak through me at the intake. When I'm doing their intake, um, they start talking. The guides will start talking as to like, they already know everything that's going on. So they already know what's happening. And then I, they'll help me choose sort of what program to work with the light. And then um, as the client is under the light, I will write sometimes up to 11 pages of information that's coming through. Oh, interesting. So my my um, granddad used to do channeling and uh, he's passed now. That's why I said used to. He didn't stop. It was like he did until his last days. He just kept doing more of it. Mm. Um, and yeah, he would just be like, Right. And then he used to teach people to do the like to channel and to write. So it just and he was saying, like, you're not he was trying to explain it to me, but I was a really young child at the time. He wasn't teaching me how to do it, but I was sort of just curious. And um from what I gathered, like he's just saying things come through. And he wrote a book and I read that and he talked about that. Like he used to do drawings that he said he's never been able to draw in his life. And then suddenly he channels in these drawings and they're really nice oh <laughs> like gosh. professional I'd drawings. To, I'd um, love to read his book and see his drawings. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link. I don't think because he passed, and again, this sort of even this topic, like for so many people, sort of taboo or um, you know, not a lot of people are open to even have the conversation about it. As soon as they hear certain things like channeling, I say it's just nope, that's dismissed. So right. what, his, this was like twenty years ago, and all his family and um, everyone I think that knew him didn't understand and sort of thought he was losing his mind. Yeah. Um, so when his book sort of got made they thought he's just wasted years of his life writing this book and doing things and i think because he passed it nothing really happened with it so i'm not even sure i have to have a look i'll look for you and see if it's actually available i've tried to look before and i couldn't find it i still no have way. my own signed copy he gave every one of his grandkids a signed copy of it so i still have that with me um, oh. but i don't know if it's actually available anywhere yeah but he just shares his process but no it's really interesting with the channeling and now like you can go online and so many people are sharing their experience i was actually talking to someone else about um they're a uh like a not a psychic medium they they work in the paranormal and mm. do readings and go to places and help people with the sort of presence that they're experiencing in their environment to try and settle it and yeah. i was talking to her and i said was there a coming out period a bit like if you're gay and you have to come out i said Is, yeah. did you that so was that the same with you with what you do because it's a like i said in that area where it's not uh, socially always accepted was there a coming out point when you you thought you know what I'm feeling this I'm able to do this or I and but you were resisting it and then you had to tell people like do you talk about it with your parents or mm -hmm. how, how, how was that for you you're absolutely right Luke I did have a coming out period and also like figuring out like what do I call myself and how do I say what I do and you know, like my voice changes, my eyes close, my hands move into mudras, like it's a little bit odd. <laughs> and and there was like, I always still to this day explain to my clients, this is going to happen and it might be weird. And for the first time on my Instagram, I actually said it out loud for the first time in public. Like I came out, you know, I'm an intuitive yeah. channel and this is what I do, you know? 
yeah i i haven't really explained it to my parents yet you know my dad's like a old mexican dude from a mining town my mom is cute she's like okay sure good <laughs> but it's uh so far out of their scope that you know they're like that's nice <laughs> yeah um how the how does your so you're doing that and you're still you're still in the uh doing the makeup artistry how mm-hmm. has the last two years been for you with everything that's going on everyone's been affected in so many ways by the pandemic in the last couple of years how's that affected you internally as well as externally yeah oh very good question you know it's been a great time for me internally I work so much in the film and television industry as you know from having been on sets we work very long hours and it can be very draining so during the pandemic when we had lockdown I had the great opportunity to take a 12-week course called love life legacy just really learning about who I am in the world and what legacy I want to leave and that really is where I came up with, like, this is what I want to do with the work, with the light. And then externally, I'd always lived with roommates and, you know, other people and been completely afraid without knowing of being on my own. And I just kept praying for an apartment where I could see clients and have a studio in my home. And um, during one of the films I was working on, which is coming out very soon, which is the biggest film I've ever worked on, which my mom had no idea. Speaking of like, how do you tell your parents what you do? My mom's like, I've been seeing this movie, it's coming out. And I'm like, yeah, mom, I worked on it. She's like, you did. (laughs) Can you say what movie that is? Yeah, it's called Don't Look Up. Oh, I feel like I have heard that or something. It's coming out on Netflix, December 24th. So it's very exciting. Um, So, you know, I got to work on the biggest movie I've ever worked on, got to be, you know, pray and receive my own apartment that has a studio inside of it where I can see clients. So I'm very, I've been one of the fortunate ones and I'm deeply grateful for all of the gifts and evolution and changes that have happened for me during these interesting times. And I just want to give back and support anybody who needs help with that, you know, these times. Yeah, because it's been, like you said, it's been different for everyone. And I know the sort of movie industry sort of semi shut down like everything else did. I know there was a bit, it was a bit haywire everywhere and everyone was adapting. But like you said, on a movie set, there's so many people gathered together. Um, Mm. And when you're not allowed to have a certain amount of people together and you have to have certain distance in like that, you can't make a film that way. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's, it's nice you got that break to be able to... Do that course. What was the course going to again? Love, life, and legacy. Love, life, and legacy. Yeah, they, love. Yeah, life, I like them words. Oh, I would look into them. <laughs> they are wonderful. Yeah, they've cha- they changed my life. <laughs> I am part of who I am and where I am today because of that course. Yeah. And during the last two years, what what do you think's given you strength and perseverance to keep going during this time? Oh, definitely my meditation practice. Um, again, about four years ago, I discovered Enza and uh, read his book, How to Change Your uh, Mind or Brain. I, oh, shoot, that's a different book. 
um, I read one of his books. I started meditating every day. I went to four of his uh, retreats and it was sort of the stake in the ground I had. Like I knew everything was going to be okay because I kept connecting to the quantum field through meditation, staying in like the flow instead of going into the fear. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, like there's a lot of fear the last two years and there still is. And you can see yeah. the people that aren't able to like to ground themselves. They're not able to be present in the actual reality they're in and they get just can get into so much anxiety depression and because of the fear that they're experiencing yet the fear is sort of there for everyone but if you haven't got certain practices to to bring yourself back into that balance like for myself i do a lot of breath work meditation uh like um kai gong type stuff and just a mixture of stuff yoga type stuff but constantly keeping my body sort of supple but through movement as well as like you say the stillness in the meditation um, and breathwork, I found, just brings me into such a good place um, emotionally and uh, I would say into the moment. A big part of my, my journey was realizing how much I was uh, living in the future for me. It was The past was painful, but I was so ambitious. I was waiting for the future to come and realizing that I'm not actually present here now. And that's why I'm not feeling good because I'm living in expectations. And as they didn't come come you know you're constantly let down by them expectations because you don't get everything you want and um but yeah no that breath work and meditation really helped bring me into the present moment and give me a stillness and an appreciation and gratitude so it's really nice to hear that you, you seem to have had similar experiences in that area absolutely yeah i call it a what do I, multidisciplinary approach right all the little nuggets and pieces that we put together to keep ourselves physically mentally and emotionally as you said supple Yes, and this that's trying to explain to a lot of people because I see you once you've got yourself into a certain state of let's call it comfort or balance, um, you become hyper aware to everyone that hasn't got balance or hasn't yeah. the you know you can really sense and see um, someone that's not in a good place and not in a good state, and you can hear the sort of things that they say and repeat that they haven't got time they haven't got this they can't do that this and i say to people some some practices can be done really simply really quickly and just minutes at a time but throughout the day and that time accumulates um like you say from breath work meditation doesn't need to be for hours you know not at the beginning just to start sit for three minutes some people can't sit still for three minutes and take a few breaths without getting very anxious and impatient how do you find uh, with the Lucia light, like how do you find um, people's sort of how do you find people that come to it, and how do you find their perception when you share this with other people? Mm, I find so many people are curious about it. They're like, "What is this light?" Because like it's so innocuous, right? It's a light. Oh, who wouldn't want to think of like learn about that? It's not like you say, "Let's talk about ayahuasca," and everybody's like, "Whoa, whoa, I don't know." You know, it's so inviting. I feel like talking about flickering light and light therapy is just so inviting. And it's, I feel like it's the way of the future. I have another night light now called the Roxiva light as well, which is amazing as well in its own way. So I find that people find me through Instagram or through L Lucia light website I'm listed as a practitioner. And, um, I, you know, one of my friends finally came and had a session with me. Now, this is someone I've known for a long time. And she said she came. She had her session. She relaxed so nicely into it. 
she called me later on that day and she was like, Claudia, I've just woken up from a nap and I'm looking for my anxiety. And she's like, it's just <laughs> not there. And it's I was like, looking. yeah, really <laughs> right. You wake up and you're like, wait a minute. Where's my friend anxiety, right? It's always there. And she was like, it's just not there. And I think that experience lasted for her for quite a few weeks. And then she she said to me, oh, it's coming back again. So yeah, life hits us left and right, you know, social media, billboards. I've seen billboards for masks. This is insanity, right? Um, and so of course, we're going to get back, you know, into the anxiety mode. But it's so nice to know that there's a tool that's available for us now and that it's growing that can help. Yeah, and it sounds because I'm always looking at different ways, like I said earlier, about my con issues with, say, control, but then it was realizing that it's just for conscious expansion and growth. Um, and there's a certain amount of letting go of control that I had to go through to realize that is more control, letting go, and it's a bit of uh, balance there. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm always looking for ways to optimize my function and grow my consciousness as, to just be more productive and to, to serve others in as many ways as possible. And um, how do you find it feels to witness and to be a part of that exchange with someone when you see them have a, a change of state, even if it's temporary, like you say, a couple of weeks, but to be a part of that service? How does it actually feel for you? I'm... Um... So I'm such a softy. I'm teary all the time. <laughs> like even today with my client who I just finished a session with, like she was talking about what she'd felt under the light. And it was literally what I had written in the mess channeled messages to her. And I just started crying in front of her. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm weepy, but it, it just fills my heart to no end to see that over and over again. It will never get old. And that's completely why I want to transition from being in the film and television industry to doing this full time. Yeah, I, the way it just come to me then, the way I'm seeing it is like, because I'm really visually sort of seeing the setting as you describe it. Um, but I'm thinking like, because I've spoke a lot with people about crying and how important it is to actually cry. Um, mm. Especially like it's a, an emotional release, but it's a process that's natural to the body to have tears, especially in joy. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm wondering how much of that when you get teary, especially with a patient, is actually a reflection for them to see that, you know, there's an emotional release, there's a cr crying and it is okay. So, you know, it's something so powerful um, and then so important. Again, for me, for years, I had never cried when my mom was sick. My mom's had multiple suicide attempts and I was always the one to take her to hospital and do things, but I would never be teary about it. It was like... I don't know if it's the same in America, but especially in England, it's always like toughen up. You know, tears are for weak people, whether it's good or bad tears. You know, there's no such thing as good as bad. They're all bad. You don't cry. Um, wow. So it's, and, the, yeah, and that was a process in this sort of, I don't even like using the word healing, to be honest, because it's like that to me, that determines something's broken. And to me, it's not broken. You're on a path of development. So you're just growing and expanding, but you're great right now. You're good enough right now. So you're not, you don't need to heal because you're not broken. That's how mm -hmm. I, but sometimes you have to use the word healing just to, to process things for me personally. Um, yeah, it's really nice to hear that's what you offer a service. Where do people, where can they get in touch to you or where can they learn more about what the Lucio Light is? Yeah. Um, so I live in Massachusetts. Um, you can learn more about the Lucio Light on um, 
lucialightexperience.com, I believe it is. Let me just double check. Yes, lucialightexperience.com. Another light that I have is also the Roxiva um, light. And I find that one is going to be great for personal use. And that's roxiva.com. So both of them are flickering, flickering lights. Yeah. And if anybody would want to get in touch with me and have the session, I travel. I travel all over the world and do sessions, actually. I bring either of the lights, both of the lights with me. Um, so the best way would be to email me at claudiamoriel at me.com. But I also have yeah. an, an Instagram, which is, um, I'm working on my branding and my website and everything, but my Instagram is clow underscore Moriel. Okay, and I'll be sure to put a link in the description. So if anyone's looking for the spelling, they'll be able to find it in the description and, and follow along. But I definitely think it's something to for people to look into and to, to learn more about. And like you said, for some people, they will just want to, they don't want to do the learning. They'll be ready just to jump straight in and experience. Through the uh, Lucia Light experience, is it like a, um, a link if someone's, say, not able to get to you or near, does it give a recommendation of a list of people that practice this? Absolutely. It's under the, like, it's, I think it's a link called Find a Practitioner. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And with with the sort of um, the film industry, I'm just curious because you're on the East Coast, how does that work considering most of the film works on the West Coast? How's that been for that process? Because I know obviously films are done sort of everywhere and different things. Has, has that been a struggle? Have you thought of you needed to move to LA or anything? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. I actually had a chart done, an astrocartography chart, which tells you where the best places are for you to live based on certain things. So I had it done for Los Angeles, New York, and Atlanta. So it used to be that Hollywood was only in Hollywood, but that has completely evolved. And New York um, has been a huge hub for film and television Atlanta has grown, has five studios. New Mexico has the hugest Netflix studios I've ever seen. And Boston has become like Hollywood East. So we had just, the um, our governor passed a law that gives any production that comes to Massachusetts a 10% tax break. So now we have a studio here, it's growing. Um, and what's amazing about Boston, Massachusetts, is that we have four seasons and we have so many different parts of Boston. So it can look like New York. It can look like L.A. It can, you know, there's just it's so diverse weather wise and um, structurally wise that it's growing. I've had some of the busiest years of my life just before the pandemic. I had the busiest year of my life. And this year has been panning out pretty well, too. Um. Yeah, so my astrocartography, sorry, my astrocartography chart said I should stay in Boston. And I was like, but I want to go somewhere warm. <laughs> oh, so that, that actually said stay where you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least there's some comfort in that, that you already don't have to move. <laughs> well, at least right. said you managed to get the work and sent you on the path of this, um, of working as a, with the light and to heal and to serve others that maybe yeah. you wouldn't have even found or got into or had time to if you went somewhere else. I apologize, by the way, if you can hear the planes. I'm under a flight path where I currently am, and hopefully it's not too loud on your end. No, not at all. Okay, good. Yeah. Was there, is there anything else particularly you would like to share with the audience? 
Is anything pointed, that came to mind before you came on? You pointed to something that came up during my last session, which is the word healing. Because you're absolutely right, Luke. Like I was writing healing and I'm like, this isn't the word. There's nothing like broken here. And I, and I, I hope that through this conversation, we can, or, you know, as it evolves in, into society, find another word. Because I feel like the word healing keeps us trapped in the sense that there's something wrong. Just like, I, I love Alcoholics Anonymous, but just the fact that you always have to say you're an alcoholic, that, that just doesn't resonate with me. Like, it's almost like ingraining what's wrong. Like, mm -hmm. let's find another way. I, I love reframes. I just love reframes to say maybe evolution or like you said, you know, I think you said journey or development. Like, I really yeah, love that's That's something that really sticks with me is words are powerful, but if we keep affirming certain things, like you say, healing or I need to be fixed. And also for me personally, it's all about that expectation. You're living in expectation that one day you'll be healed. Mm. You know, so you're waiting to be healed. You're, you're not then, you're not going to be happy where you actually are in the present moment because you're not where you want to be because you're in that expectation that you need to heal and be healed. Um, and it's like the word self improvement is used a lot and i don't like that word because again improvement means it needs to be fixed whereas development to me is it's in a process um like it's good enough but you're making it better you're looking for a way to develop it um, mm -hmm. but, but again because everything's online and everything's about trending words like healing self-improvement uh say better hashtags they're better trending words to be found and more people use them so you want to try and promote a method to say self-develop you have to say oh here's the newest healing method here's the newest self-improvement and that's that's the difficulty i find at the moment is the other words have got too much uh, attention to them in the audience that you want to engage with right i couldn't agree more absolutely and i love i love the idea of explore one of my favorite words is exploration like let's explore this yeah, and I think, like, say, these podcasts and just people talking, and like you say, you got your Instagram. I try and share. I'm on as many sort of online platforms as possible. It's something that I stayed away from. I didn't have a Facebook account until this year. Mm -hmm. I tried to stay away from every single uh, sort of thing like that. But I also didn't feel I had something that I wanted to share. Uh, the moment I had a passion and a desire to connect with others, so I tried to connect in as, as many ways as possible and also come to an appreciation that there's lots of detrimental things with technology and things that you can do, but there's also a, a great way to connect and actually share like there never was before. Like we're talking now, um, different, totally different parts of the earth in, in the same moment. And when I was a child, the idea of a pen pal was fascinating where you could write a letter and wait a month or two for someone to write back. It's so amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. I actually gave up social media for nine months after one of my Dr. Joe retreats and it was so wonderful. And then, and then all of a sudden this like urge to be a voice in the world came through just like you have your voice and your story, which is thank you so much for always like sharing about it and putting it out there. Um, because you. I, yeah, I think it helps so many people like, you know, and I think that's what it is, right, Luke? I think it's about sharing our story in a positive way so that we can support and help others. Yeah, and it was actually during lockdown right at the beginning. Uh, got to beautiful share and experience. It was my love, Danielle, and two friends that we were isolated with. 
and Danielle shared um, some real extreme past traumas that she never thought she would share, uh, but it all just sort of come to surface during that time, and it was just such a beautiful experience of of sharing and connecting, and it bonded us all, and it bonded me and Danielle even closer. It was the kind of trauma she thought uh, we would all run from, but it just brought us closer together. And we actually uh, done a dream podcast, myself and Danielle, and we just talk about our life and experiences and that whole area of trauma that she went through. We really share and connect on that. So stay tuned for that. That will be coming out uh, early in 2022. But back to what we was talking about. Um, mm. But we ended up having like a beautiful experience and sharing with this other couple. And it was the inspiration and sort of the openness in my own heart that I felt when she opened up and, and shared mm. Then I saw how it affected the other couple in such a positive light. And I was like, oh, this is actually really powerful to share your real experiences um, sort of openly, not to give someone something. You know, you're just having a conversation, but like a real open conversation. Um, and I think that process, and it seems to have done that for a lot of people, that everyone's been able to go into their own personal experience, maybe because there's less distractions that they've got while they've been locked down um but i've noticed for so many people it's been it's opened them in so many ways and always there's that duality some people it's closed them a lot but i have noticed a a big say open in openness but no i really i never thought i would even talk about my mum and her experiences and my experiences with her i never thought i'd talk about my depression or any of my sort of what i could call negative aspects of my life but then i realized they're my sort of greatest gifts because they're my personal experiences and what I've been through that's my actual life um, mm -hmm. so that's what I have to offer and yeah I couldn't even utter the words my mum was ill without breaking down and crying and stumbling and I used to hide it from everyone because of the shame and the sort of you know not wanting to be recognized as that um, whereas now I'm saying it to as many people as possible you know in a way like the complete opposite and it's just mm -hmm. so interesting how how life transforms in that way. How do you think your older self, how if you was to picture yourself, say, 15 years from now, what do you think, where do you think you'll be and where would you like to be? In Again, internally as well as externally. Yeah, I love your question, Sue. Thank you so much. It's great. I, I, I feel into my older self and she just feels like, you know, what, what, are, what are the words like the young woman, the middle woman and the crone? oh the, there's like three stages of like life and she just feels like an old wise peaceful woman where would i like to be internally is there like just feeling that sort of wisdom that peace that stillness um and externally i hope that i get to write a book like your did you say grandfather did yeah, it's my, my grandfather on my mum's side. Um, mm -hmm. It was interesting because as well with her schizophrenia, he was always telling me she was the, like, the brightest one. But he said she's got a gift. Um, and again, if you look into different cultures, schizophrenia, and they talk about, uh, like, how they're very intuitive people um, that have a different perception and a different understanding. And if they're nurtured in their culture, uh by say like a shaman they're actually sort of gifted in a different site but in our current structures in sort of what we'd call western society it's they're medicated and not pushed in that direction at all so it's like you know she was just ridiculously medicated her whole life and in and out of hospitals and very very sick 
Um, but I just find it fascinating the the possibilities. But it made sense what he was saying. But yeah, he he put a book together that it's really to be honest, it's a really random book. It has little just random stories and experiences that he had in his life. That it's not wouldn't say it's got a, a solid structure to the book even. But mm-hmm. he puts just lot like things that were channeled he just put some channeling messages things that he just brought in and then talked about his channeling experiences and where they entered into his life um but yeah you would like to to do something like that i would love to write a book it's always been a dream of mine like before i decided to become a makeup artist like i said in high school i romanced the idea of being a writer and it's always been inside of me to write a book a channeled text that would help humanity in some way yeah, no, that'd be really nice. Maybe you can go the the crowdfunding route like you did with the with the light. The I think two or three episodes ago, if you look at my podcast, there was one. Um, I did notice that podcast. Lisa, yeah, Lisa Furland, and she's a uh, what she does as a profession now is to help people crowdfund books. She just works with authors and crowdfunding, and that's what she specialises in. And she's had like something like a hundred percent success rate doing doing so. Um, but that was really interesting because I, I myself am in the process of writing a book and I'm still weighing up to how exactly it's going to go. I'm sort of going for both options, to be honest. I'm writing it. And when I get to my sort of three chapters and I've got enough to send to a publisher, I'm going to send it to as many publishers as possible, but continue to write. And if I finish the book, then I will crowdfund if I haven't managed to get through the publishing stages. Because there's just so many options now with being able yeah. to get your book out there that wasn't before. Thank goodness. And good luck. I wish you the best on that journey. Oh, thank you. Now, our time is nearly up, so I don't want to keep you too long. I really appreciate your time. I have some shorter, quick-fire questions. Have you got time to go through them? I sure do. Yeah, now, these are, again, sort of some of them are sort of one answer, but if you feel the need, you just want to elaborate on them a little bit, you're welcome to. So the first question is, um, if you could choose one, a cat or a dog? dog what's your favorite color oh i love them all (laughs) (laughs) so you could do every color i I can't pick one (laughs) okay um what excites you especially like creatively and spiritually nature does i'm about to go to the grand canyon and antelope canyon nature is soul food yeah yeah definitely is and um, what turns you off? Uh, single-mindedness, like not being, not having an open mind. What sound or noise do you love? Mm. Lately, I love sort of um, uh, music and sounds from like Peru, like sort of like Icaros or indigenous sounds. Yeah. What sound or noise do you hate? The sound of judgment. What comes to mind when I say, what's your greatest fear? Lately, I've been, the medicines have been teaching me about my fear of death. Now, that's interesting, because I, I, I used to have a fear of death, and um, I don't now. Where, where, where are you feeling you're in that process of fear of death now? Very different than where I was um, before my last set of ceremonies, I, I see it now as a, a beautiful experience, an, ex, an extension of everything. Oh, nice. 
What, what do you challenge about yourself? What do I challenge about myself? Yeah. Let's see if I understand the question correctly, but I think that um, being at, like a little bit easier on myself is where I challenge myself. What do you love about yourself? Hmm. My determination. What do you love in others? Um, I love the way people, I, I helped host a set of ceremonies and I love the way people fight for their sovereignty. Nice. And what do you love about animals? Oh, they teach me unconditional love. And that was the last question. And yeah, unconditional love, especially I like, liked how, uh, should I say, I loved how you explained the feeling after your first Lucio Light experience. Because that, when I went for a process of really, uh, what I would say, feeling unconditional love, like you said, you, you just want to be, you want others to feel it. And when you're saying you just wanted people to touch you, maybe they will feel what you're feeling. It's like a, you just want to give that. It's like you, you're overwhelmed with a giving presence. Um mm. And like you said, animals, they just want to give so much. Absolutely. Yeah, I have love tattooed on my inner left arm. <laughs> it's the guiding force. Yeah, no, it has been beautiful to talk with you. Is there anything else that you would like to cover before we sign off? But I really appreciate you being here for this time and really enjoyed hearing your story. I could talk to you for a lot longer, but I try and keep these to an hour. So, yeah. I just want to say thank you, Luke, for making the time to connect with me, to share your story, and for the voice and the message that you are in the world. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice. And I'm going to be talking to Agnes Katie, who you work with. I've got her scheduled for a podcast as well this week, so we're going to get more on. I look forward to having you both on a separate podcast I have called Everything Matters, and it's co-hosted with a friend of mine, Anthony, and we uh, it's a much more of an open general conversation where it's not so much about yourself but we just sort of go into topics of everything and anything so i think we'll have a four-way conversation with you katie myself and anthony and i think that'll be a, a really fascinating conversation i look forward to that chat it's going to be great okay have a beautiful rest of your day and again thank you so much for being here and I'll make sure to put all your links and everyone can check you out through your Instagram and your website and follow what you do and experience the Lucia Light. It sounds very interesting. Thank you so much. I appreciate it all. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the Selfish Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Greenheart, and I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, just search Luke Greenheart on YouTube. You'll find me. Check out my website, LukeGreenheart.com. Have an amazing day and stay tuned for more episodes. I'll be interviewing guests on their path of self-development, their path to self, getting to know them in much more intimacy, much more depth, sharing and connecting with all so we can have a much more blissful, joyful and productive life together. All right. Much love. Have a great day. Thank you.